The Pigcast, brought to you today from Wiggly Wigglers, Lower Blakemere Farm, Herefordshire, the company that sort of do the archers, but real. I'm Heather Gorringe. I'm Richard. And I'm Farmer Phil, Oinker Keeper in Chief. Smooth, babe, smooth. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, what I'd like to say is thank you for listening in a lot. And a special new welcome to all our listeners that have come from Country Living magazine. Listener figures have gone whoosh. Is it, really? Anybody who doesn't know what whoosh is, obviously it's a trend upwards. And so welcome to you. If you'd like any topics talked about, anything that's not controversial at all, anything bland that you'd like spoken about, don't bother emailing. But otherwise, (laughs) (laughs) if you want to get involved in the Wiggly Wigglers podcast, email... Richard at wigglywigglers.co.uk and Farmer Phil, who is pwg at lowerblakemere.co.uk. Or Heather at wigglywigglers.co.uk. Or better still, we haven't mentioned this for a while, but you can ring the farm phone, which is outside the UK, plus 441981500930. And you'll probably get, when you phone, a little snippet of a podcast because we've put the podcast on our answer phone at the moment. And the other thing is, if you're enjoying the podcast, the thing that is just new now is the podcast awards. But I don't know what category we should go into. But if you go to www.podcastawards.com and you like us, please would you nominate us for a category. Michael says don't go for general, so we'll go for general. (laughs) But yeah, if you'd like to nominate us, that would be just wonderful because they are... The ones to win. And, of course, we are part of the Blueberry Network without an E, and we forget to mention that often, but as they sponsor the Podcast Awards, now's the moment. We are Blueberry. Rich is looking at me like I'm mad. Yeah, well, well, you are mad. But, (laughs) yeah, Blueberry. What is Blueberry? Well, it's a network of podcasters which has got a community feel rather than just a directory. So if you wanted sponsorship... You could get it through Blueberry. But they're good old boys. And Rob Safutu, who we did the New York Minute show with in New York. Right. He has become a director of Blueberry, so I'm quite sure that they're doing something wonderful that I don't quite know. Okay. But they're definitely a very positive influence on podcasting. Right. And most people who have done more than one show and are not into pod fade are part of the Blueberry Network. Excellent. We got an email in from Julie Nicholson, Farmer Phil, who says, Really enjoyed your Leaf Open Day. Came away totally inspired. Loving your podcasts too. Excellent. Well, that's the sort of response we can live with, isn't it? And obviously, due to customer data protection, I can't share with you what she's ordered from Wiggly Wigglers. Suffice to say, I do think she's got a slug problem. <laughs> <laughs> so hope your lettuces are all right, Julie. And we got something else in, which was a review on Podfinder UK, which is the BT Pod Shows programme. And you can find that on podfinderuk.podshow.com. And uh, apart from the fact they say we're in Hertfordshire and that they say we make your garden safe, it's a really good review. Hmm. <laughs> they saying it's safe, though, is that because it's a trendy expression, safe? Or is it safe as in, you know? She must be because it's cool. In with the kids. Oh, safe. Really? 
So anyway, last Friday we had a mission, didn't we, Phil? We did, yes. You didn't believe I ever actually sorted out, I don't think. But anyway, last week was a packed week and Friday morning was the only morning left. And so we set off on a, a trek to Gloucestershire. To do what? To get the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> we like to get the piggies. Because yeah. <laughs> we just been out and we just had a look at the old glorious little pigs. We have, yeah. And just to briefly recap the reasoning, we were fortunate to go on a visit to the Duchy of Cornwall home farm, Prince Charles's home farm, over at Tetbury. And David Wilson, the manager there, among other things, keeps Tamworth and large black pigs. Right. And we, having heard his thoughts on rare breeds and pigs and mixed farming and so on, I've always wanted a pig. And so we inquired as to whether he would sell us a couple of pigs. And yeah, he yeah. said, absolutely, he would. And so Friday morning, we set off with our cattle trailer, which, as you can imagine, was plenty large enough <laughs> for two small <laughs> pigs. <laughs> and we drove over to Tetbury to meet David at the home farm yeah. and pick up our pigs. And yes. here's on the way. I've known Phil for a good 20 years now. Would you think that was fair, Phil? I would say so, yeah. And in all that time, when his father was farming and since, he has spoken about two things that he would like to see on the farm. The first was giraffes <laughs> up on the bank which we won't be achieving today <laughs> I think my trailer might be a bit short for that <laughs> why do you want giraffes up on the bank? Well, that was father's idea, he's always fancied the idea of having a giraffe right, anyway there won't be giraffes up on the bank at least today at Lower Blakemere but the second is that he's always wanted some pigs that's true. How come? I don't know. I've always liked pigs. I, as a child, I visited some friend of my parents' farm where they had pigs. And the fact that they oink and squeal and they've got huge characters just always appealed to me. And I suppose thereafter, because Father said we couldn't have pigs, that only <laughs> enhanced the appeal. <laughs> and why did Daddy Gorringe not want pigs? Um, basically, years and years ago, when we first started farming on our own account, we did actually have pigs. We had some fatteners, and it didn't go very well. It was the, the trendy thing at the moment was to fatten pigs in your cattle yard through the summer, and they got some horrendous diseases and something else, and it was all very depressing. And so that experience, I think, scarred him slightly. And also, the pigs preponderance for grazing at about minus three inches doesn't do the field a lot of good and, and that was his um, ongoing excuse I think So the upshot is that now you're farming on your own and today you're off to get your pigs. We're off to get but they're not just any pigs, we're not going off to get a lorry load of pink squealers, we're off to get some special pigs Go on well, they are going to be rare breeds pigs. Well, they are rare breeds pigs, and uh, the plan is to have one Tamworth and one large black. And they're both, uh, and, uh, you have to forgive me because I am a very novice pig keeper. I've just been reading my DEFRA How to Be a Pig Farmer guide that they kindly sent me this week. Um, but we're going to have 
freshly weaned female pigs so they will be little females and then we will fatten them over the summer and then we will take a decision as to whether we breed from either of them or we will slaughter them for pork at that point and probably have some more then. And you and I have been talking about the fact that we'll only have two pigs currently and it's important that we don't treat them as pets although we're both you know want to have pigs we like pigs don't we so it's quite difficult I think it's very important and it's probably as important for Monty as it is for us that we remember that if we make them into pets then there is no way that anybody's going to feel comfortable eating their pet and therefore we have to take a commercial view I know that's a horrible phrase but we have to steel ourselves to the principle of what we're doing before we allow it to get into a situation that, that is just miserable for all concerned it won't be easy anyway because it's it's not a, a terribly enjoyable thing sending your stock off for slaughter to eat but it is a, a fact of life it is a necessity of eating meat and I am totally happy and confident that the pork that we produce will taste absolutely fantastic and there is the thought that without eating the pork there wouldn't be the pig and for those listeners who have noticed my lisp my lisp um, I, I apologise for my lisp but my bridge at the front of my teeth has sheared off the teeth and I am a toothless fairy the trouble is that if you will engage in scraps in the car park <laughs> you know it can all end in tears so anyway we're on our way to Highgrove to meet the pigs <laughs> and bring them home we've got the truck the trailer we've got toast and jam and I have my tooth with me <laughs> ready for the dentist to fix on the way home so hopefully this podcast will go from toothless to tooth filled and pigless to pigged out <laughs> <laughs> or pigged in even pigged in And just to add to that, we had an email in from Neil Foley, pod chef, and whose website is kitchengardenfoods.com and gastrocasttv.com. And he says, great to hear about the piglins. Congratulations on the big step. You'll love them. Just remember to name them after MPs or other farmers or cuts of meat. (laughs) Head out every day and tickle them under the belly scratch their jowls and remember what great crackling they'll make and how nice those hams are becoming mm. will ye be getting old HFW HFW Hugh firmly Whittenstall right. to come by and give ye stamp of Britishness on this venture great podcast moment and also that would turn me green with envy there's a link he's got on his kitchengardenfoods.com to see his pigs And he says, I completely understand your qualms about not wanting to eat what you know, but think about it. How can you not? With the food in the market that you don't know, what happened to it? Where has it been? 
Far from being the carnivorous savage some of my listeners feel I am, I actually have a tender spot for the animals I raise. I overpamper my hens, cattle and pigs, and they have a great life. The knowledge of which makes them all the more delicious. The first time it's hard to send them to slaughter, but keeping focused on that from day one helps. It gets easier after a time. If you want to save rare breeds, you have to eat them. My five girls, two around Monty's age, all know this and they look forward to the products of our efforts. Mm. The youngest one is a positive savage. (laughs) (laughs) Counting the days till she can have some brisket. Our last batch of sausages barely lasted long enough and the Christmas ham will have to be a whole one this year because he smokes his ham in his own smokehouse. Can't wait, wait to hear about the crackling good fun. Great stuff. All the best. Neil Foley. So well, that's that, excellent, isn't it? That's exactly the, the thinking, I think. Yeah. yeah. So we were, just, we were just talking this morning, weren't we, about whether or not you think it's a good idea to give them names. So you decided whether you might give them names. I haven't. My inclination is not to. Right. I, don't, I don't like to give the, the calves that we send off for beef names. Yeah. And I don't particularly like it when Monty wants to I don't think it helps. No. But having said that, that doesn't stop you having a relationship with them and realising that they're all different characters Mm. and so on. But I think his most relevant point is set the agenda from day one and stick to it. Sure. Well, I think it seems like you've psychologically prepared yourselves to... uh to kill the little piggies in, uh, in a few months' time. Well, to me, the, th- the thing is, no pork, no pigs. No. So that the act of eating that glorious crackling and what have you yeah. is what is going to sustain the pigs and, in our case, the rare breeds concerned. So if we don't eat them, there's no reason to have them. And it will taste nice as well. That's the oh, thing. And they, do, and they do look quite tasty now. And actually, when we're talking about... I'm still <laughs> mm. a bit peckish. When we're talking about pork scratchings and brisket and things like that, I think, oh, you know, I could mm. definitely tuck into those little guys. Mm. I'll tell you what we'll do. Next week, we'll have a Vox Pop, because, you know, I'm like a radio journalist now, aren't I? You know, I'm just like a DJ. Right. <laughs> and a Vox Pop is where you have to ask loads of people, isn't it, about stuff. So right. we'll have a Vox Pop with the team about whether or not we name the pigs, because there's a lot of excitement about Wiggly Wigglers, about the pigs, and a lot of controversy about mm. whether or not they are actually going mixed to opinions. indulge. Mixed opinions. I, I yeah. think one of my that, biggest yeah, worries is that it means that there's an awful lot of people I'm going to have to share the crackling with. Yeah, mm. yeah it's not, not, not uh, within your, uh, your psyche, is it, givingness? Well, thank <laughs> you for that, Rich. <laughs> What are you talking about? That's a popcorn <laughs> kettle black if ever I heard anything. Oh, earlier on, early oh, on, okay. Richard, <laughs> and I quote, he said, if you get as far next year as breeding some pigs, mm. he said, I might buy some. And I'd like to put the emphasis on buy because Rich is not keen on buying anything. <laughs> You're right, That's very unfair. Because that's, that's you've been I'm quite kind this I'm, morning to I'm several gonna, people, gonna, including Michael. That's just this aura of, of love that's in the air at the yeah. moment. You know, I, don't I know. think it's that new shirt you've got on. Do you think so? Yes. Listener, he's not in pink today. He's in a sort of, do you want a dance shirt? <laughs> Aren't you? Yeah, well, it's a... Do a little like, dance? It's, it's, it's an unusual... It's, well, it's not unusual necessarily. It's a, it's a shirt that I very really wear, yeah. Mm. Was it so, a tablecloth once dirty. or not? No, no, no. Uh, the others... <laughs> <laughs> the other side, yeah. On that note, let's go to Home Farm 
and here hopefully I've recorded a few cockerels because when we got there they were cock-a-doodle-doing <laughs> and a few oinkers snorting and we'll hear David Wilson who to me is a very inspiring farmer who's been organic for the past 20 odd years and manages the farm at the Duchy. Thank you so much for coming on the Wiggly podcast. I'm not sure if you know what a podcast is, but I think your sons do. They do, yeah. <laughs> yeah they'll put me right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we came round Home Farm a few months ago, and I found your talk completely inspiring with regards to organic farming, and in particular, your attitude to rare breeds. Can you share with our listeners what you would like to see farmers doing with regard to rare breeds and why it's really important? Okay, well, well, rare breeds, as you know, are fun to look at. They're, they're different and uh, you know, there's a sort of novelty value to them. Um, you know, just because of their, they're, they're different from the sort of run-of-the-mill standard livestock that you tend to see on farms today. But the serious note in keeping rare breeds is that you're preserving their genetics. Now... We depend nowadays on fewer genes than ever for our food because control of breeding, etc., whether it's plants or animals, is carried out by fewer and fewer huge global companies. And as a result, we've lost a very large chunk of, of our food genetics. And in the last 100 years, we've lost something like 75 to 90% of our food genetics. And it leaves us in a very vulnerable position. So, you know, in, in, in nature, genetic diversity is a strength. And mankind is doing the complete opposite. So whatever happens, even if they're not the sort of current uh, flavour of the month, we shouldn't let those genes disappear. So that's why, you know, these pigs that you're taking away may not be, you know, they, they, they carry a lot of fat. They're quite a different sort of pig to a modern pig. But you can bet your bottom dollar we will need some of those genetics for the future. Uh, and it's not just an issue with animals, it's an issue with cereals and vegetables and all of the other um, foods that, uh, that, that we eat. You know. And it's, it's up to us, really, as farmers and growers, to keep those genetics alive. Even if we just grow one unusual breed of lettuce or carrot or potato or keep one rare breed of, of livestock, you know, it's almost our duty to do it because, in a way, our future depends on it. So the argument against that would be that presumably farmers have tended to pick strengths in particular breeds. Excuse my lips, listener already knows why. Yeah. Um, they pick the strength and therefore, you know, for example, you go out on a dairy farm and you see Frisian black and white cows, don't you, mm. everywhere. Mm. You go out to a pig farm and you see those white pigs mm -hmm. and you go to a cattle um, farm and you see the Frisian crosses. So they would argue, wouldn't they, that they've been picked because they are, I don't know, maybe they grow fastest or they are vigorous? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, if you look at why we've selected particular genetics, it's normally about more. So whether it's more meat, more milk, more wheat, you know, it's more weight, which, you know, theoretically equals more profit. What, of course, is interesting today is we're producing more milk per cow, than we've ever done. We're producing more wheat per acre than we've ever done. 
and, uh, and yet we're losing, you know, farmers are probably losing more money than they've ever lost, so that actually doesn't add up at all. But what's tended to happen is decade after decade of breeding for more means we often leave behind um, some of the more subtle genetics, uh, but we're unaware of that until we actually get many decades down the line. And again, that's a, a, you know, a good reason for at least keeping some of the older genetics. You know, you, genetics are, are, are really complex. You know, when you're trying to select for, say, high milk yield in a cow, you're probably losing something else, but it's not immediately apparent. And that, that, that's, that's the, the key point about it. And it's definitely an area where we should operate, if you like, the precautionary principle. We should not race ahead, let everything disappear. Uh, and you know, that applies to all of our food throughout this planet. Before I ask you about positive future farming, what, in your opinion, could be the worst-case scenario of if we do let the rare breeds die out and the genetic pool become less diverse? Well, for a start, I think it will make the choice of food that we have and the flavours that we have really boring because it will be the same everywhere. Yeah. And I think we'll probably lose some of the, the, the finest flavours that we've got. I mean, they're part of our cultural heritage, and the reason they're there is for good reason, because they taste really good, but also because we lay ourselves open to maybe a particular disease or disorder or genetic uh, imperfection by narrowing down this gene pool. So you may have a particular, this is just an example, but if you had a particular variety of, of, of wheat that was fantastically heavy yielding, but it suddenly succumbed to yellow rust or something like that, and you didn't have the genetics to you know, enable yourself to grow something more resistant, you'd be up a gum tree. And the same principle applies with, with dairy cows. You've got cows now that are producing phenomenal amounts of milk, and yet they're producing... the because they're producing so much milk they can't actually maintain good health because they're genetically programmed to produce so much milk now you can't blame the farmer for that um you know it's the situation they find themselves in but the long-term effects of that are not good now you've been an organic farmer well you tell me for ages really well we have i mean i've been involved with organic farm for 22 years and i came here as a um, you know, from a, a conventional background, and I, I didn't know that you could actually grow food without using vast amounts of fertilisers and pesticides, etc. But you know, 22 years down the line, we, we know it works. Uh, there are many other thousands of organic farmers who also have discovered that it works and can work within it. And I would say the word organic and sustainable are interchangeable. And we know that our future lies in producing our food sustainably because if it isn't sustainable it won't you can't go on doing it that's what sustainable means so it means eventually there will be an end to it so sustainable production is the way forward and i think organic farming provides a model of sustainable farming and it's it's something you know i suppose ultimately if you if you try and wind things right forward and think about how things will be in the future and i think Ultimately, the, the population of the planet will be governed by the amount of food that we can feed it with that has been grown sustainably. Because if it isn't sustainable, we can't go on doing it, as I said just now. So, have you got a wry smile on your face that actually people... There is a wave of enthusiasm and opportunity? Or what's, what's your take on the future of farming? 
I think we're, we are at a crossroads in terms of certainly farming and food production, but also I think civilization is at, at a crossroads because we know, you know we're at the point of peak oil now. So the lines between consumption of oil and production of oil are part in company. So we've got to look at other methods of producing energy. We know that the production of ammonium nitrate is extremely energy hungry and we know that something like 53% of the energy used in conventional farming is used in in fertiliser manufacture alone. So we know we've got to look at other ways of producing our food. It's as simple as that. So, you know, part part of me uh, feels quite excited about the future. But I, I still feel there's an awfully long way to go and that it's, you know, we are still governed our, all of our all of our systems the way we live our lives is actually are, are actually dictated by uh, money and that that because that overrules everything at the moment in the way we judge everything the way we measure everything we've still got a long way to go but in fact you know if you if you whittle it down and really think about the sort of the basic fact if money if, where money governs everything it, it normally it will end in tears it, it can't go on you know, benefiting mankind. So we need to look at other ways of uh, judging stuff. And I certainly think food is obviously vital to us, and uh, it's it's the basic industry of mankind. We can't survive without it. So we've got to look after it. And we need a healthy, vibrant agriculture to have a healthy, vibrant society. You know, the two go hand in hand. And where agriculture is not in a good state, then society, will, as sure as eggs, eggs will follow. What is my pig going to taste like? The pig will taste fantastic. <laughs> the reason it tastes good is because you'll notice when you see it, it, it carries more fat. But if you look at that fat, it's a very pure white fat. Uh, and it's the fat that gives it the flavour. Uh, and it's a real melt-in-your-mouth fat. I mean, you, if you thought of it more almost like cream or butter, you may think of it in more favourable terms. But it is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really good quality food. One of the problems with the modern hybrid pig is because we've become so obsessed with getting rid of fat, we've got a type of fat, although there's less of it, that is not very pleasant to eat. It's, they call it lacy fat, and it's, a, it's something they're trying to deal with, the pig breeders are trying to deal with now. And also the lean meat is rather dry. So, you know, often if you get a supermarket pork chop, it's not the nicest experience. Mm. This is totally different. It's in a league of its own. And, and for me, that fact alone is a reason to keep the breed going. So am I going to eat this fat and get fat? Well, I don't think you will, you see. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of myths surrounding fat. And I think what you get when you eat good quality food and good quality fat is actually it satisfies you and keeps you feeling full for a very long time. So there are many that would argue that you actually end up eating less. And what is wrong is eating lots of you know sugary foods and very fast um, digestible carbohydrate because it gives you all these highs and lows which make you feel incredibly hungry desiring more of the same so I'd say no look at the Western Price website and it'll tell you all about it okay thank you very much thank you for your time today and thank you for especially inspiring one conventional farmer to become very enthusiastic about our new pigs and rare breeds because that was really a trigger point for a conversation all the way home from the Dutchie farm that day, which might not be much, but it certainly generated an enthusiasm to encourage the genetics to be diverse, from our farm at least.
Great, fantastic. Well, good luck and uh, <laughs> may we sell you many more. Thank you. <laughs> Off we go with our oinkers. So having interviewed David with, with her lisp, we, yeah. uh, we're then on a very tight you. schedule to get Hev back to the dentist to get her teeth put back together so uh-huh. that we could actually understand whatever she was on about. <laughs> so we set off at a vast rate of knots, dropped Hev off at the dentist and installed the pigs, well, temporarily at first, at any rate, in, in the cuddle yard. Rach said I was a tussless fairy. Really? Yeah, which nice. I took as quite a compliment. Yeah, it was, yes. <laughs> it was a nice thing for me. Anyway, there we are. Um, Ginny Herluck says, I'm with Phil on hedges, but so agree with Ricardo on cats. Hideous, pooing, spraying, fighting, screeching, mating, killing machines that they are. And then she says, sorry, Noah. On that note... If you listen into next week's podcast, we're going to have James, the Nuffield scholar, who is going to house our pigs, or maybe just provide a house for our pigs, which will be named as the Pigloo. Thank you, Mary, for that idea. And we've also got coming up on next week's show more from Ginny Herluck and lots more for you to listen to. So bye from me. Bye. Bye from me. <laughs> <laughs>